So I want to talk about knowing God's love for you. Um, I, I think probably on a superficial level, on a day-to-day basis, when times are good and you, there's plenty of money in the bank and you're everything is going well for you, there's a, a, a love for God that we have, knowing God's love for you. But I, I, I do believe that it's extremely superficial. In other words, we can look around and, and we can look at creation. We can look at the goodness of God. But when it's really going to be important for you to understand God's love for you is during the hard times. And the hard times can be many things. It can be sickness, your own sickness. It can be uh, something that you're facing in life, uh, death of a loved one. Uh, just just a whole list of things that, that could be trying times. This is when it's going to be critical for you to understand and to to clearly understand God's love for you. And often in our lives, what we need is a, simply a reset, uh, like a reset button where you clear everything and then all of a sudden through this reset, Everything makes sense. Everything in your relationship with God makes sense. You, you, by this reset, you now understand God's love for you. And I'm going to talk about what this reset is at the end of the program. And it's really just promises from the Bible, God's promises to you. But it's going to be critical that you understand that when you're going through trying times. Is That Really in the Bible? Presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Now, often we lose, I think, faith in God during hard times. And it's it's not just we lose faith in God. Um, someone said that you cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself. Often what we're really struggling with, and, and we think we've lost faith in God, truth of the matter is what we've lost faith in is our in faith in ourselves faith in our relationship with god we begin to question a lot of things when when hard times hit when trying times hit so it's not you will interpret that as you've lost your faith in god oh me you know i've just i've i've given up on god and and truth of the matter is what you've lost faith in you, you know is yourself you no longer believe in yourself. You no longer believe in your convictions, your relationship with God. There's just a lot of things that we begin to question about ourselves. Now, again, you cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself. And that almost sounds counter to some of the scriptures in the Bible. Uh, for example, Proverbs uh, 28 verse 26 says, He that trusts his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 12 and verse 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Uh, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 5, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And then we have the story in Luke 18 and verse 9, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So when I say you cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself, it almost, there's a conundrum here. But 
when I talk about belief in oneself, I'm talking about how God created us. It, it's going to be critical to understand this, how God created you, how God created me, and to really focus on that from the beginning. And so if we go back to the beginning, Genesis 1 and verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him male and female. And again, in Genesis 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So what am I saying? I'm saying God breathed life into us. His breath flows inside of us. Therefore, God is the source of life from within. It, it's, it's not just you facing all of your hell on earth and all of your problems and all of everything that you're up against. It's not just you struggling against it. God is the source of life from within. So when you reject yourself, when you hate on yourself, or do even worse, you are doing the same to God because He is the source from within. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, everything that you are holding against yourself on a core level, whether it's through words or actions, you are holding against God. By questioning who we truly are, we are questioning who God is. Now again, why would we begin to question who God is and God's love for us? Well, to my experience, it only occurs when things are not going right, when things are, you know, bad times. Uh, again, it can be health issues, it can be an accidental death, uh, an accident that happened to someone close to us, a child, a loved one, whatever. It can be death uh, of a loved one. It can be suffering your own or someone that is close to you. It can be dysfunctional, what I call dysfunctional happenstances that that has occurred in our lives. Maybe something very bad. Maybe you were abused as a child and, and you carry that with you. Defining moments that sort of molded and shape us. And, and we say, well, why, why did I have to go? Why did God allow this? I know in my own personal life, an example of, of self here, losing faith in God, it, it sort of began with me when my mother got sick with either dementia or uh, dementia, excuse me, or a severe bladder infection. I don't know what was going on, but we would, three of us children, we would take turns staying with her at night and she wouldn't sleep at night. She'd get up to the back, go to the bathroom at least, you know, 40 sometimes during the night. And she went through pure hell and it was hell on the children. Also, I can guarantee you that, but, but more importantly, what she went through. And, and so as I looked at that, I thought, why? I mean, she, she sort of lost her mind. And I, I said, God, why, why did you allow this? You know, and I began to, I think, lose faith in myself and lose faith in God, which is one and the same thing, really, as, as I, I'm trying to illustrate here uh, a few moments ago. And then later on, it was some health issues that I had. And, and again, um, why? Why am I going through this? And getting the answer, no. 
you know, from God, which is always tough to handle the answer no. I mean, it's sort of like that little poem, you know, and God said no. I asked God to take away my pride, and God said no. He said it was not for him to take away, but for me to give up. I asked God to make my handicapped child whole, and God said no. He said her spirit was whole, her body was only temporary. I asked God to grant me patience, and God said no. He said patience is the byproduct of tribulation. It isn't granted, it's earned. I asked God to give me happiness, and God said no. He said he gives me blessings. Happiness happiness is up to me. I asked God to spare me pain, and God said no. He said suffering draws me apart from worldly cares and brings me closer to him. I asked God to make my spirit grow, and he said no. He said I must grow on my own, but he will prune me and make me fruitful. I asked for all things that I may enjoy life, and God said no. He said he will give me life that I may enjoy all things. It goes on, but you you get the point. But a lot of times we can spend what seems like eternity not accepting God's answer, which may be no, and getting on with our life, you know, accepting no and getting on with our life. We're not willing, you know, especially especially if you're stubborn, hard-hearted, you know, okay, I'm not going to accept the answer no. And there may be a quality to that also of never giving up. But sometimes you just got to realize, okay, and God said no. And then from there, in other words, if, if it's insanity to keep doing the same thing that you know it's not working. That's the definition of insanity. When you keep trying to do something and it's not working, but you keep trying. You keep beating your head against the wall, not accepting the answer no. Okay, there comes a point where you may need to accept God's answer if it is no, if it is indeed no. When we go through these times, you know, the question that we have is, is he really a God that loves me? Is he really a God of love? Can I trust God? Has God abandoned me? And then there are defining moments often that we cling to that we, where we question, we begin to question ourselves because, and there, that leads to us questioning God. Um, defining moments. I had one in, in my life where I was a young boy. My father wanted me to do something, go ask a question to a little teller, a little office that was selling tickets. And, and I've always been extremely shy and didn't like to be around people. And, and I kept, sort of avoiding the situation, not wanting to go up there and ask this little office how many tickets, how, how much did tickets cost. And and so my father got sort of exasperated, and he said, well, just forget it. I'll go do it. Well, when I saw him walking up there, I sort of ran up behind him, uh, hoping he would help me out. And he said, just, he said, turn around. He said, just go back, go back to your mother, whatever. And I looked at that as a, it was a uh, defining moment of rejection where instead of my father helping me, he sort of rejected me and just told me to go back and, and gave up, you know, instead of trying to help me, just sort of gave up on me and said, you know, so how I, you know, he was, he was just, as parents, we all get frustrated with our children and we make mistakes. Okay. That's part of living. You know, there, there, you may be living with a regret that you did 
to your children, something that you did to your children, and you, you, you're still living, and you're still beating yourself up over it, you know? So all of these things, really, I mean, um, really weigh on us, and, and we begin to question ourselves, and we begin to question, does God even love me? How could he love me? And, and all this, this, these things that go on. And what we need is a good reset. Okay. Um, someone said, show me what you believe about yourself, and I will show you what you believe about God. What is it that you believe about yourself? What are you believing about yourself right now? Is it good? Is it positive? Or is it bad? Is it negative? I mean, maybe you believe you were created by chance. And if that were true, that would mean you don't have a unique purpose. That would leave you struggling in life, not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually, which again would lead you to not truly believing in yourself. I mean, what is there to believe in if we run around like zombies without a purpose? Again, show me what you believe about yourself, and I will show you what you believe about God. You cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself. It goes hand in hand with you cannot believe in yourself until you believe in God. One builds on top of the other. Let me repeat that because that might have went right past your ears. You cannot believe in God until you believe in yourself. That statement goes hand in hand with, you cannot believe in yourself until you believe in God. One builds on the top of the other. Now, many of us merely acknowledge the existence of God, but we don't fully and wholeheartedly experience faith. There is a difference between knowledge and faith. A knowledge-based church, you know, I come out of a knowledge-based church. We take pride in some of the knowledge that we have, some of the truth that we have. But when hard times hit, knowledge-based is not going to do you much good. All of the, when hard times hit and you're struggling and you're questioning things, all the knowledge that you have probably not, not, not going to do you a lot of good. When, hard, when, when it comes to hard times, faith in God's goodness will do you a world of good. So why would we begin to question who God is, the goodness of God? Why would we lack faith during the hard times? Well, one of the reasons is often in your experience with God and religion, God has been misrepresented. I mean, it actually happened, you know, uh, Jesus talks about this with, uh, you know, the people, the religious ilk of his day, which was the Pharisees. And he, Jesus said, you know, that the Pharisees were the teachers of the people. They taught others about God. And Jesus comes along and corrects them. And he says this in John 8 and verse 41. He says, you do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we not be born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to him, if, you, if God were your father, you would love me. But I proceed forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So 
here Jesus is correcting the religious authority that taught the people about God. They misrepresented God is what the correction is. Now, did the people who sit at the feet of the Pharisees know and understand the love that the Father had for them? I don't think they did because they misrepresented God. Now, why would we begin to question who God is, the goodness of God? Why would we lack faith during the hard times? Well, again, often God is, has been misrepresented to us. Uh, it's like when religion is bad. You know, people make religion bad. We've been, you know, people come along and say, well, God wants you, it's just a blessing machine. He just wants you to have that three-car garage and Mercedes Benz and, and, and you know, and it's just a blessing machine. And, and that's a misrepresentation of God. Oh, sure, God wants to bless us. But just to focus on that and that alone, we've been lied to about the Bible. We've been told that, you know, uh, certain things about God that we have these false expectations about God. And because God has been misrepresented, we begin to believe a lie about God. We believe a lie that we've been taught, you know, from some preacher or religious organization. And that can cause us a lot of heartache. And so I, I think what what we need often is what I call the reset. Just like you might hit, you know, just force your computer to shut down and you know, res or reset a modem or whatever. We need a reset. And so I want to conclude with something that you can find on uh, the internet, uh, YouTube. Just type in love letters from God. I thought it was great. And you, you're just going to have to, <clears throat> you know, listen to this. And it has to do, again, when you're going through hard times, listen to this, love letters from God. Just imagine you went to a mailbox, to your mailbox, and you got a whole stack of love letters from God. Well, all it is is just scriptures. You can read the scriptures for yourself. And I'll give you the reference to this. So I'm going to conclude with this, love letters from God. The words you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. My child, You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up.
I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. And brought you forth on the day you were born. been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you. simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. For I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand. For I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. treasured possession. 
I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. And I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I love my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, 
Will you be my child? Love.